Hello and welcome to The Paper Lantern, a career-focused podcast for students and young professionals. I'm your host, Derek Wong, and my goal is to help light up your career path by sharing stories, advice, and perspectives from relatable role models. Each episode, I sit down with an inspiring achiever, creator, or professional who's excited to share their advice to help you discover your passion or get unstuck. If each episode represents one paper lantern, my dream is to fill the sky with paper lanterns for the whole world to see. Thanks for listening to the Paper Lantern Podcast, and I hope that you enjoy each episode. Welcome to another episode of the Paper Lantern Podcast. I'm so excited to bring you this interview with my dear friend, Emily Fang. I met Emily just about two years ago. I had two different friends reach out to me and say that I had to meet their friend, Emily, who moved from California to Singapore, just like me. We met at a Muji Cafe and immediately struck it off. We were both missing home and talking to each other reminded us of our California friends and the good life that we left behind. And we've had plenty of adventures since and I'm really glad to call Emily one of my closest friends and confidants. Emily is a spirited, creative, and dynamic woman who lives and breathes community. Born and raised in the United States, Emily is a Taiwanese-American woman who grew up in Southern California and has spent most of her career working at the intersection of tech, startups, and community. In her full-time career, she works at Stripe as a community operations strategist, handling everything from executive escalations to building developer communities. And beyond her day job, she burns the midnight oil and spends her weekends developing active communities in the areas that she cares about. On Instagram and Facebook, she's created a group called Asian Female Nomads, a global network of career-oriented women that are seeking a life of freedom and awesome life experiences. She also has her own YouTube channel, The Fang Girl, where she talks about her experiences moving abroad, the lessons she's learned as a digital nomad, and interviews some of her friends who also work in tech out here in Singapore. I've already used the word community several times, but when I think of Emily, that's the word that really comes to mind. She does an incredible job of bringing friends together, connecting people, and making people have a sense of belonging. Even with all the strict social distancing restrictions in place over the past few years, Emily's done an amazing job of creating communities that last. And in this wide-ranging conversation, we'll go deeper about her career journey to come to Asia, her passion for community, where it came from, and her experience of living overseas. And for all you listeners, make sure to check out her content on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Cheers. Hello and welcome. I'm super excited to introduce my friend, Emily Fang. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you for making these delicious drinks. Oh my God, they're amazing. Yeah, do you remember the recipe? Uh, Honey, whiskey, ice, and grapefruit juice. Mm -hmm. A little bit of a fever tonic soda water just to Uh, make everything a little more fizzy. Nice. it's a good way to groove into the podcast, doing this in person here in, I guess, the home studio setup here in Singapore. But it's been a long time coming. It sounds like we've, we're both from California and we're both <laughs> thinking about, hey, reflecting on our time here in Singapore. But tell us more about your journey to Singapore and what you're currently up to, Emily. Yeah. Um, well, like yourself, I came to Singapore in January 2020. Actually, I was trying to explore Southeast Asia. I had quit my job at the time and then COVID hit and I was like, shit, like I need to stay here because I'm not gonna leave and go back to the US without like actually exploring Southeast Asia. So um, I found a job in tech media, stuck around with it for a couple of months and Mm -hmm. then left it and then found another job in FinTech and I'm still here. Mm -hmm. But my background has been mostly in 
uh, community management. And on the side, I am building a community of like Asian female nomads at the moment. But like yourself, yeah, just being an expat here in Singapore has really opened my eyes to like so many different things. Mm-hmm. So yeah, enjoying it so far. Yeah, and I know I know we've had many, many talks. You're one of my closest friends here in Singapore. Yeah. And I think a long time ago we did a podcast or a similar sort of like interview thing when I was working on my startup. And I realized that that was a really cool conversation and we were only able to share some of those lessons. I still remember one of your goals is having like a, not a puppy farm, but like a puppy <laughs> cafe. But I remember that from a long time ago. But there's so many stories and adventures that we've been on. Yeah. And a lot of just really cool experiences that you've had that I think many people that listen to this podcast as well as your own following would find very entertaining. Mm-hmm. But let's dive deeper into that word community because it seems to be a really important part of your life. But tell us more about what community means to you and when you first started being passionate about this. Yeah, I... I feel like at one point in my life, I was always the one who was a little bit awkward coming into mm. a new space, mm. right? Like when you meet new people, you kind of just stand around and you're like, I don't know how to say hi. I don't know how to interject in conversations. And I remember one person being like, hey, like I'm blah, blah, blah. And oh, Emily, you should talk to this person. Or like, Emily, like come hang out with us. And I remember that like reach was just so kind of them. And I realized like, shit, like I hope to be that person wherever I go in the future Mm -hmm. to make people feel like welcomed and just accepted. And so I think to me, community is like lending that reach to people who need it. Um, And I don't know, I just feel like community is kind of thrown around a lot, especially in tech. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I know a lot of marketing teams use it as like, sales funnel now right, they're right. like community and I'm like that shit is not community yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you have a forum and you have like 10 people that don't really pay attention but yeah 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 and when did this start was it in college was it after college I remember you participated or helped organize uh, TEDx in San Francisco many years ago yeah. but tell us more about those experiences was that the spark or did that that fermentation start earlier yeah it was after I quit my sales job at booking.com mm-hmm. I found this like contract role at Google with the Google hardware team and it was specifically around like community management. So Google hardware has products like Google Home, uh, Pixel Buds or like Jacquard. It was like a, a jean jacket partnership they had with Ooh, Levi's. Levi's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like smart clothing. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's when I learned the most about communities. Like there are people, external uh, community members who loved Google products that they would go out of their way to like advocate for these products to like manage forums to help answer questions and we would fly these VIP like these members to Google campus and we would plan like a whole conference they would give us like product feedback we would meet them like develop actual relationships with these people and that impact was like it was huge because you have all these people who love Google hardware products talking about it sharing it with their communities and I think that was like my real like toe in the water and that's mm-hmm. that's kind of just like where my career in like community started to like to scale yeah, yeah. super cool we're gonna jump around chrono- yeah. chronologically but of course talk more about like Asian female nomads I know you worked yeah. on different uh, community groups and kind of like side yeah, whether you call them side hustle side mm-hmm. businesses or just different projects but tell us more about Asian female nomads yeah so it's a online Facebook community with roughly I would say like five, 580 plus women around the world. Like we have so numbers. 581. <laughs> yeah, go on, go on. Okay, fine. 
don't, I don't remember the number. <laughs> I want to say 600, but I, okay. I don't want to be like 600 because I know there's I'm not 600 yet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But we have women in like Argentina. We have p- women in like the Bahamas. Mm-hmm. These are women who have like traveled all around the world or working remotely or have started their own thing. Perhaps they work for a tech company and just working remotely. And I guess that's the community I never had in mm-hmm. San Francisco. Like, I wish I had a group of, like, amazing, cool women to kind of bounce ideas off of and to feel secure when I talk to them about my ideas. Mm -hmm. Or if I were moving to a new city, I would want to be like, hey, can I live at your place? Like an Airbnb, right? So Mm -hmm. this community was started with my good friend Ivy and I. Um, It's really just, like, right now it's just a place of uh, discourse where Mm -hmm. people can introduce themselves, like, oh, I'm doing this right now, this is what I need help with, mm. or I want to become remote, Remote. how do I do that? Or I have this cool startup that I'm building and I need to hire. So right now it's just more of like this safe space for women mm-hmm. to kind of gather and talk about um, like nomad things. Mm. And that's usually the next word I wanted you to share more about. It's a very yeah. particular word, nomad. There's, I, I think that word evokes a particular image, depending on where yeah. you grew up. I think in the United States, if you're a nomad, it's almost like this cowboy, this like frontier slash, you know, again, not a hobo per se, but like <laughs> a stick with like the bag tied on the back of it where you're nomadic. You know, yeah. you don't need much. Wherever you go, you can find your way. Yeah. You know, your home is wherever you are, right? Uh, what does being nomadic mean to you? And is that a big, important goal for yourself? Mm. I think being nomadic means that you're sure about moving to a new space to learn and to try new things. Um, I also want to refer to that Reddit post that I like. I was on. Do mm-hmm. you remember how I told you? Mm-hmm, it was mm-hmm. people gave me like slack for saying that I came to Singapore to become a nomad, and they're yeah. like, "Why are you being a nomad? You're just moving from like a co mm-hmm. like a co living space to a new co living sure. space, right?" Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think that, I mean, that's, to me, it's like I am nomadic in that sense where I move from San Francisco to Singapore, and when things open up, I will work in different cities, and I will, I know that I'm going to be moving in the future. And it's also, I guess, the idea that you're not tied down to one city. So it doesn't, to me, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't matter about, like, the length or of the duration, but just knowing that you have that freedom to move to different cities if you wanted to, mm-hmm. and you have this kind of soul-searching uh, mentality or personality mm-hmm. so the women in our group a lot of them have stayed maybe in San Francisco for like five years and now they're moving to New York and then now they're thinking of moving to Europe right it's, so it's just like there's no set agenda or set structure around what it is to be nomadic as long as you have this urge to I guess see new things mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's a innate curiosity right whether they're doing mm-hmm. a startup you know whether they're parents and want to homeschool their kids and teach them to live in many different countries and learn many different languages. I, there's that element of curiosity, exploration. Right? Yeah. It's not just, you know, oh, I can work remotely, right? That, yeah, maybe, But exactly. that's a commonality, right? Yeah, or maybe that's like the spark. But yeah. that's really cool that there's like a, a notion of like flexibility that goes beyond, mm-hmm. you know, what culture you're, you're originally from, what industry you're in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but tell us more, have you met some of these people in this community and what's that experience been? Yeah, so I've met one girl who's an actual nomad. She's from Malaysia. Uh, if you want to check her out, it's called the Gone Goat. So she's actually nomadic. She travels to really like mm, non-touristy places like mm. uh, like Russia or 
I'm going to pronounce it wrong, like Kyrgyzstan. Like oh, she, Kyrgyzstan. Yeah, so she will bike in these countries and Whoa. she'll vlog and blog about it. Mm-hmm. So I think for her, like she's really a nomad, but her home base is Malaysia. Mm-hmm. Like she always goes home to Malaysia after, like at the end, mm-hmm. but she'll spend long periods in these different countries, cool. right? And then I know women who have come to Singapore who, you know, lived in like very like various cities every other year. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of nomadic, but it's also due to like the, the nature of their work. Yeah. Yeah. So in the community, we do have online and offline events. So mm-hmm. I've met some really cool people yeah. through the internet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They used to say that the, the internet is not a safe place. You should not talk to strangers. <laughs> but over the past 20 years, you know, the world has changed. You know, we get into strangers' cars. We meet strange internet friends that become some of our closest friends. Yeah. And I think that's really powerful. But let's jump back in time to where it all started. Tell us about, you know, mm-hmm. how you grew up. Uh, where you grew up and you know the different places that shaped who Emily is today yeah Mm. so I grew up in Los Angeles in Torrance specifically Mm -hmm. like this beach town um, in LA County went to San Francisco for college stuck around I was in San Francisco for like eight years for school and for work and then I moved to Singapore Mm -hmm. but I think what really shaped me was probably my father Mm -hmm. who was very much like if you're not learning, you're dying. And I don't know, I just feel like my dad was just a pioneer in so many things. And he's never made me feel like small or he's never made me feel like I have a dumb idea. Like he's always like, you should you should go to China to like to study abroad. You should go to Singapore to like try out a new job. He's very, a pretty big like driving force of all the things that I've wanted to do. And I think with his, um, yeah, with like, just having him uh, give me that, I guess, credibility, it was mm. quite helpful. Yeah, yeah it's almost like that his philosophy is very much about exploring, trying things, mm-hmm. even if you don't like it, right? Where yeah. Yeah, you try living in China, you might hate it, but at least now you know what it's like, or you might appreciate the United States more, or yeah. <laughs> traffic is different. It's like traffic is bad in LA, but oh, at least yeah. you're in your own car and you have air conditioning versus mm-hmm. um, like the, uh, this is a strange word, but like human type of traffic, just like non-stop squish of people on mm-hmm. a subway in New York or sometimes in, in China. I know, I remember mm-hmm. I went to a really, it was like a sporting event in Beijing mm-hmm. and then afterwards it was literally like a 45 minute queue mm-hmm. to get into the subway station. It was just like, wow, this is oh my just God. a traffic jam of like human bodies. Yeah. Again, it's similar to I imagine like people leaving Burning Man have a oh, similar yeah. experience, but <laughs> at least you're in your car or whatever. <laughs> so I remember that being a interesting learning but yeah of those places that you mentioned what has what have each of those cities taught about taught you like did you learn a certain type of like hustle from san francisco Uh, was it in la your creative spark but i know we're a little bit younger but what did each of those areas teach you i don't really know the chapters of your life oh snap we're going deep going deep we're going deep change the name of this Uh, podcast going deep deep. (laughs) um i feel like la taught me groundedness Hmm. I'm not sure. LA ta- or L- LA taught me like good vibes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Living by the beach, living a slower life, maybe too slow of a life when mm-hmm. I was growing up. Mm-hmm. But looking back, I do appreciate like those bike rides by the ocean. You know, those like moments of just being in Palos Verdes and like looking at tide pools. It was like this very wonderful childhood that I had. So yeah. I feel like there was like that sense of like peace and groundedness that I had since a kid, since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And then I think SF taught me about how much brilliancy there is in the world. Mm-hmm. You have like the most high caliber, most well-educated 
concentration of people living in this one city. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you've also lived in San Francisco, you know how it is, but I think just being in that world made me want to do better and be better. Mm -hmm. But as like many, like we all burn out and it, I don't know. I think I just met really great people there in that city and working at a startup. That was like the first startup I worked at Mm -hmm. in San Francisco. And so it also taught me, like how to build things from scratch yeah right and also just learn office politics oh yeah yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. i think in a way now that i can ask you that question as i reflect it's almost like that mm-hmm. was a pretty interesting thought-provoking question where yeah the different places you've lived are different chapters and if you were to summarize that chapter right it's a very it's a really distillation of all your experiences but also mm-hmm. how you develop like I remember when I was growing up in you know, the Bay Area yeah full of you know super crazy high achievers and it yeah. made you feel like it wanted to taught you how to be ambitious and how to like just work very hard mm-hmm. you know that you have to work both smart and hard mm-hmm. and then you know going to university you know where I went to school in Irvine mm-hmm. I felt that I was I went from such a hustle hustle um, environment to yeah. where people were oh yeah I'm going to college it's whatever you know it's like complete <laughs> opposite right yeah. where people would just play online poker mm-hmm. like, instead of going to class and just like have a filthy room. It's just like, it was like, <laughs> immediately I was like, whoa, you know, I don't want to like settle for mediocrity, right? I mm. kind of had that fire still there and it was about like striving to, you know, rise above, you know, this feeling of mediocrity in a way. Mm-hmm. Now living in Seattle made me feel like I, it forced me to become more introverted or get more comfortable with being alone mm-hmm. and that being alone and those feelings of loneliness, loneliness do not make you a bad or broken person. Yeah. They're very natural things, I right? Agree with that, yeah. I think that made me almost like it was like a concentrated shot of introvertedness. <laughs> In right? an espresso shot. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Double shot of uh, <laughs> double you know, depression. No, I'm just kidding. Double <laughs> shot of the rain and the uh, introvertedness. And then yeah. going out to LA, it's like the opposite, right? Yeah. It's all of a sudden you have all your college friends are there. Yeah. You, know, you live close to Koreatown. Work mm-hmm. is, you know had a lot of flexibility mm-hmm. it's almost like too much fun right yeah. it's almost like you're always trying to fine-tune life right like yeah. there's these levers you don't know you know what's going to happen exactly but you can guess mm-hmm. hey if i move here you know say moving from los angeles to san francisco mm-hmm. you will work a lot harder you will learn a lot more but it'll be much more intense right yeah. versus if you are in again not to throw montana under the bus right? but <laughs> hey if you live in montana you probably have a really really wonderful work-life balance yeah but you might not see your neighbors very often just it's a very different sort of like isolation experience but mm-hmm. tell us how has your experience in singapore been now that we've both been here for two years how has been your learning have there been sub chapters within your your time here hmm. i think mm-hmm. i can heavily relate to the idea of learning how to be alone here in singapore which is funny because I mean, I came to Singapore not knowing anyone, but I mean, I know you because we were introduced through like a friend, yeah. right? And the first person I met here was also introduced by my brother-in-law, right? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I met a lot of people through just like friends of friends and I felt like building a community or a circle of friends here in Singapore was not hard at all, but I still felt lonely at mm-hmm. times. I don't know if it's because of COVID sometimes you're isolated or I just felt like I was just away from like all the people that I loved Mm -hmm. but I think being here in Singapore taught me how to be okay being alone and as I was going through like the ups and downs of I mean you know as well like my whole like career Mm -hmm. disasters or like leaving like Mm -hmm. that tech media company and then trying to find another job because of my employment pass like I was alone because I wanted to be alone and I just 
I didn't want to like have discussions with mm-hmm. like people. So I think at that time it was really just me and myself trying to figure this shit out together. Mm-hmm. And um, that taught me how to be okay with my own thoughts and like working it out together with myself. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, in hindsight, I feel like, yeah, I reached a part in my adulthood life where I'm like, hey, I'm okay being alone. And yeah, yeah. it took that long. It took almost 27 years to get there. Hey, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, rather now than later, right? Yeah. And it's, it's a lesson you'll keep learning. Yeah. Right? Imagine if you start a family and, you know, you'll get married and have kids. And it's like, oh, you know, mm-hmm. not to wish this on anybody. But, you know, if you get divorced, that's a whole other level of yeah. solitude, loneliness, feelings mm-hmm. of failure, all that stuff, right? Yeah. Where, you know, it's not that you planned it, but you'll have to confront that fear again or even in the workplace right especially yes. i think that's just something interesting to zoom in on is yeah yes it's nice to work remotely yeah but certain personality types like i consider myself i recently learned more about the, like the disc personality types like d-i-s-c the mm-hmm. different like bricks like red yellow mm-hmm. green and blue mm-hmm. and i'm very yellow right mm-hmm. where i'm very like people oriented and love i like it's almost like I have a compulsion to talk to people, right? Yeah. And I think in a, to a certain extent, like, yes, it's wonderful. I do love working from home. Mm-hmm. But I think that's the thing where I immediately miss even going to the office. The, the restrictions mm-hmm. now in Singapore, you can't go to the office. Yeah. Uh, so even last night when we had like a product uh, dry run for something we're launching in about a month, you know, yeah. we did this like Teams call with a few coworkers and um, I was you know, in the kitchen, you know, cooking something, but, you know, testing out the product because it was yeah. like a live sort of event. And that felt both really cool at mm-hmm. the same time I was like wow I'm at home on a, you know, it was a Saturday night you know <laughs> yeah. talking to my coworkers. it was a strange like mixed feeling where oh that was really nice to be able to like socialize right but mm-hmm. yeah I think that's a fascinating idea of learning to be alone mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and going back to your point about the different chapters one of my like, mentors and he's a good friend of mine but he always mentioned like your life has seasons to it, right? Mm. And you can't control the seasons, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't mean the season is going to be exactly three months. You know, there's like a fiscal quarter. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it'll be, hey, the season, right? Like, you made a lot of time to work out, but yeah. hey, work wasn't that great, yeah. right? And it's not like it's it's all, it's very dynamic, right? It's, oh, you know, you were working out. I know you're crushing it at F45. And <laughs> things are going, oh, oops, you know, you, you hurt your ankle, right? Yeah. There goes F45 for a month, right? But now you'll... And work on you know one of your side projects even more. So mm-hmm. I think the seasons of life really puts things in perspective. That is so true. Yeah. Every. I mean, I guess that's the part of being human as well, right? Like mm-hmm. there is seasonality in life, and how we react to it and mm-hmm. how we process it is just based on our character, and it it only makes mm-hmm. us better. Mm-hmm. But yeah, seasonality of these past two years has definitely been like. Up and down. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And what have been some of the ups? Has been, you know, what's your, your tell us more, I guess, kind of like the impetus mm-hmm. or the reasons why you started the, the Asian Female Nomads community. Because you've been, mm-hmm. you know, you, you're very prominent online. I'm going to like just totally not throw you under the bus. I don't think so. It's like, it's like you, no, you're I don't a think so. YouTube influencer, <laughs> right? You have all these cool, like, projects on the side. Like, what is, where does that creative spark come from? And how do you, I guess, how do you, like, make time for it? Yeah. given you have all these work responsibilities, mm-hmm. social responsibilities. Yeah. I guess because we're overseas, we don't have as much of the family responsibilities. Yes. Maybe it's like an hourly call once per week. But yeah. how do you balance those things? I, To be honest, I feel like it's something I'm still trying to balance well. Mm. There are times where I'll be editing a video at like 
2 a.m. I just don't talk about these things. I know it's bad, right? Like, it's bad for my health. And, like, I definitely have a few wrinkles here and there because of editing videos late at night. But I actually enjoy editing my YouTube videos. I feel like it's really fun for me. It's, like, a creative outlet that I currently don't get to have at work, right? Like, I like to build things. I like talking to people. And I like that, yeah, that creative project management side. Um, and... I guess I just do it because it's fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I don't think it's... I mean, honestly, I don't think it's going to go anywhere, like, huge. I think right now it's just been a cool way for me to meet new people mm-hmm. and to actually, like, funnel people into the community as well. Yeah. 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 Like, a lot of people have found um, me on YouTube and then mm-hmm. come to our community group. So it's amazing to kind of attract like-minded people and then bring them to our community. Mm. But in the end... I hope in the future that I can be free in mm. some way. How so? What, is that? what does free mean? Is it free? That financially dependent <laughs> retire early? Because I don't but know. Yeah. We talk about that too. But like, yeah. what does that mean? Is it not yeah. having to do the full-time hustle? Yeah. Or is it just having more free time? Like, what does that mean? Yeah. Have you, I mean, have you heard that meme? It was like, oh, I didn't want to work the 9 to 5. And it's like, now it's like, oh, I work for myself. So now I work 24-7 or something uh, like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Motivational I, quote. Uh, it's yeah. not really motivational. Or depressing. Motivational. Post, it's kind of depressing. What do they call it? Uh, late stage capitalism. Yeah. Right, yeah. I, as much as I enjoy my job right now, mm-hmm. which I do, I think it's a great company. I think in the future, like forward thinking, I do would like to just have like multiple streams of income mm-hmm. and manage my own time however yeah. I want, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's like my dream. I don't even think I'm money obsessed. Like I don't want to be rich. I don't want to be like well known. I don't want to be famous. Like I don't want any of that. I just want to be able to control my life on the terms that I want to Mm -hmm. while taking care of like my needs, my family's needs and yeah, just like to redefine life the way that I want it. Because right now it's very much like I need to wake up for this 8 8 a.m. call. Mm -hmm. I need to finish work at like 8 p.m. Because I have another call with, like, some other time zone. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I guess the side projects are just, like, me expanding, like, Mm -hmm. maybe the future, right? Like, figuring out, like, no, maybe in the future this could be something bigger. I don't know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I call them, like, uh, hypotheses, right? You know, putting on your product manager hat in a way it's like, <laughs> this is what you would love it to be you know to do a podcast as your profession in the long term yeah. do you even like recording podcasts do you mm. enjoy editing podcasts similar to yourself right where yeah. you're editing youtube videos if yeah. you absolutely hated it you probably would have stopped a long time ago right yeah. or blogging or you know hosting these events you know mm-hmm. doing local community engagement uh yeah i think it's really cool it's like you get at bats or you get experiences to see what do you like? What is working? You know, mm-hmm. how much effort do you have to put in to mm-hmm. plan an event out, right? Mm-hmm. Is it hard to, you know, come up with video ideas? Yeah. All these pieces, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And what's been the most fulfilling part of the, I guess, the creator journey on the side? Is it the feedback, the unsolicited, my mom watches your video? <laughs> those sort of comments, those that come along too, right? That's funny. Yeah. It's funny because whenever I feel like quitting YouTube, when I'm like, oh man, like I'm tired and no one watches my videos, mm. I always get like a nice comment and that keeps me going. But I think what's most validating is that um, just when people reach out and they say, hey, I resonate like with your story or like this is something that I want to do in the future. Like I want to also move overseas and or like I want to join your community because I want to be part of like a group that understands like what I'm going through or can teach me something. I think that's validating in a sense because I've built that 
I built that space, mm-hmm. right? Like if that space wasn't built, you these people wouldn't have anywhere to go. Okay. And yeah, that's I really do think that's why I like community building mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I I know a lot of people, and if I could just connect them together and they meet each other, mm-hmm. then the world would be a better place, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it's also important. Like I think you know when yeah. we were, earlier we were both kind of eye rolling about you know corporate community because mm-hmm. for them. Corporate community is usually the metric or the KPI is, you know, size of community, yes. right? Like we have grown our community from 100 people to 1,000, therefore yeah. mission accomplished. Yeah. But in reality, for yourself, it's, you would honestly rather have a, a tight-knit community of 50 than a massive Facebook group that is useless, of, of strangers, essentially, yeah. of 1,000, right? And yeah. I think it's that second-order metric where it's, you know, number of messages or number of, like, actual in spontaneous meetups that actually happen that you don't plan right yeah. like that would be an indicator of wow this is a, a an ecosystem where people are learning and thriving yeah agreed i think once the community is like self-sustainable mm-hmm. like people are reaching out to each other already like without my facilitation or like we had two women meet up in argentina like mm-hmm. on one one was like on a layover and she's like hey yeah. let's meet up like cool. that happened without us facilitating it so i think those are signs of like a healthy community mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. And I'm actually curious too, you know, as you think about future and, you know, kind of bringing all of these together, mm-hmm. have there been any people you've met, whether in your community or, you know, in your life that there are pieces of their lives that you want to replicate? You mentioned, you know, multiple sources of income. That's mm-hmm. totally fair and good. But yeah. are there particular things that you really resonate? Is it like, I want to do a, I don't know, a fashion brand or oh. open a fintech company? Are there certain like nuggets that you're really drawn towards that like that person could do it? I'm inspired to do it. This is super random, but um, going back to that thing, you told me you're like when we first met or when we did an interview, you said that I wanted to open like an animal sanctuary, which is still my end goal. The North Star. Yeah, that's my North Star. Like Mm -hmm. I, at all costs, in the end, I will be opening like a community, I guess like farm slash sanctuary slash like community space. And that's what I want to do. So I do follow someone. His name is Gold or his YouTube channel is like Gold Shaw Farms. Cool. It's funny because he's kind of like this yuppie mm. who's does not have a farmer background at all, and he like moved to New Jersey. He opens up his own farm, and so he has like you know ducks and pigs mm. and cows, and he's learning how to like raise yeah. a farm. And yeah. I think he's something very similar to what I want to replicate in the future. Not that I want my own farm, but I want my own like community center yeah. and have dogs running around and like animals running around. Yeah, that's my end goal. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, if he can do it, he's like a city boy, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah, too. You yeah. see how he plants this yeah. yeah, he's like a city boy, like, mm-hmm. starting his hand at a farm. And he's yeah. pretty successful. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think he's like, I'm like, wow, I'm inspired. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then a little bit of a tangent, but it's kind of related to this this buzzword that's thrown around, like the great resignation. Oh, yeah. Both globally and especially in the United States, yeah. you can say as a result of COVID or just simply as a result of many decades of mm-hmm. stagnation, you know, rising costs, you know, wages not really moving anywhere. People are kind of sick of their existing roles and they're mm-hmm. going to quit on, in record numbers, which is both yeah. good in some ways that change is happening. It also means that mm-hmm. many roles will be opening. That's all fair and good. Mm-hmm. But there's almost like this return to simpler times, right? Where people would hate, I would, again, this is very idyllic, right? Where yeah. it's, I can quit my, you know, well-paying tech job or banker job and open a cafe because that's what I actually really love, you Mm -hmm. know? I think that's a really noble pursuit, right? Yeah. Trying something, you know, doing that experiment, having the 
you know, privilege as well as the the upside to you know take a risk on a venture like that. Not yeah. as not always as easy as uh, it's not. You know, seeing in Singapore so many uh, F and B businesses yeah. have had to you know face a lot of challenges. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's really exciting that a lot of people, you know, whether it's the learning how to bake during COVID times mm-hmm. or uh, planting things. Yeah, right? uh, I think that's really cool that people are opting for a simpler life. Yeah, it's. Yeah, you definitely see this huge resignation happening in the U.S. as well. But that also indicates, like, the American mindset is shifting, mm-hmm. right? Like, especially, like, the fire movement. Yeah. Right? Fire, like, people don't want to retire at 65. What a, right? People are resigning because they're like... What does fire stand for? I almost choked on a piece oh, of ice cube. Oh. Financial independence, retire early. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, like, you know, in the U.S., like, bigger is better, flashier is better. Mm-hmm. I, I, Yeah, I don't know. I just... I do feel like Americans, our mindsets are changing, especially with COVID, we're like getting more in tune with what we actually need, not what we want, mm-hmm. and just reconsidering a few important things in our lives. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It'll be interesting because a lot of people have quit. But it's like, are there the projects that they're working on right now, their businesses that they're working on right now, will it be sustainable for the long term right, to right. support the lifestyles that they want? So, yeah. I mean, that's why I haven't like left my job either. I know. Right? Yeah. yeah. Like I'm just. Hustling and, on the side. Oh yeah, and yeah. I pose that. I, know, I think we both live that existential you know, crisis. Right? Yeah. And I think at the same time too, there's the we call the American dream. You know, yeah. the biggest house you can afford. You know, with the biggest dig yourself the deepest hole that you can dig in thirty years. Right, essentially mm-hmm. a thirty year fixed mortgage. Right. Mm-hmm. Again, that's clearly a, a bias. Right. But there's that, and then there's you know buying the nicest car, send your kids to private school. All these like indicators of success. Right. Yeah. Which is all fine and good. At the same time, you have this more generational shift in thinking of mm-hmm. how can I reduce my cost of living, move somewhere else, get these interesting life experiences. That's another interesting lifestyle. But I think the thing that causes even more chaos, mm-hmm. right, or it just complicates the equation is the Asian slash, you know, I'll specifically focus on, I guess, like Asian or like ethically Chinese sort of mm-hmm. like parental, cultural sort of influences, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's tough, right? Because our parents or I guess our culture has always really preached the notion of stability get the highest degree that you can you mm-hmm. know get secondary tertiary education you know stay at the same job uh, you know again the, a lot of those educational attainments of sending your kids to XYZ school yeah. give them the best tutors those are all like really good things in their own right but it's hard to mediate those two has that been something that you thought about too kind of how do you balance parental expectations you know and the the i guess the asian cultural dream yeah. versus you know the i guess the millennial dream yeah well for starters i'm the youngest mm-hmm. so i don't have that pressure yeah i think a lot of the pressure was put on my older sister who mm-hmm. you know she did everything right to be honest you know worked mm-hmm. government job went to a good school like married has a kid etc um i don't feel like i have pressure from my parents mm-hmm. because maybe just from when I was a kid, I just never really listened to them. Like, I was that... I, I didn't have straight A's. Mm-hmm. I was definitely, like, C's get degrees, mm, you know? Wow. Yeah, which... The more I learn about you... Yeah, right I know, I know, I know. But it's, like, I would excel in things that were, like, sports or speech and debate mm. or yearbook, right? Like, the creatives, the arts, or, mm-hmm. like, just things that weren't studying-focused. Yeah. Um, but to, a, to an extent, I wish... I was pushed harder because maybe I would have better discipline, Mm -hmm. but I don't feel like I've had that issue with my parents. I think the issue I've had is more of like proving myself to them Mm -hmm. of my own worth. Yeah. And I do, I am, I like, I am 
like filial and I do want to take care of my parents when I'm older yeah. so it's been interesting I think quietly I've been trying to like save up and make sure that my parents are well taken care of in the future but I've never felt like pressure from them to be like you like you know you're li- like they're gonna live with me and mm-hmm. or they never wanted me to like have them move in and do mm-hmm. all these things I think just maybe the way that they raised me I'm like okay like I feel like I need to take care of them so I've never yeah. felt that yeah yeah, That's yeah. Good. That's what good. about you mm-hmm. It's a balance. I think mm-hmm. our parents truly love us and want the best for us. Yeah. And they view the world from a very different lens, right? When they came to the United States, you know, they were fleeing very different circumstances. You know, I think as much as we, you know, as right before this call, we were talking about some of the like the challenges we have. You know, being Asian in America, it's mm-hmm. I can just obviously say it's so much better now than it was during our parents' generation. Yeah. And there are a lot of challenges that they see that for us to even just have a job in corporate America, like, it doesn't matter if you're yeah. not like a director, it's totally fine. Like yeah. they want what's best for us. And I think to them best usually means that you de-risk your profile and you take the more stable, safer path, yeah. which has its own logic, right? Where they don't want to worry about you. And I think something that I think if you apply a career lens makes more sense, but it's almost like you try to see what all your stakeholders perspectives are, right? Mm. Your parents are your stakeholders. They want you to basically, be safe Mm -hmm. right take care of yourself and you stay out of trouble right and that view still maintains whether you're you know 10 or 50 years old you'll always Mm -hmm. be your parents babies right versus you look at your friends they want you to do maybe the more exciting thing or the the thing that allows you to be together in the same city for longer right Uh, I think for my parents you know they definitely see me as the some middle one Mm -hmm. I'm the most responsibly irresponsible one where I mm. chose not to you know, you know, buy property you know take on debt fancy car all of that mm-hmm. because I knew that I wanted to have this experience overseas mm-hmm. now I'm kind of at this inflection point where oh I've done that now what right mm-hmm. do I go back to that tried and true you know buy property you know stay in a corporate role you know do those things which offers a really good quality of life I think yeah. there's this millennial belief right well, it's also maybe it's like a it's like toxic success mentality where yeah. unless you're the CEO of a well-funded venture or capital startup, you're a nobody, yeah. right? That yeah. by working at a Google, Facebook, you're boring, right? So there's that oh, like yeah. negative thinking, but in reality, that's a very virtuous and totally chill life to have. Mm-hmm. So that's one path, right? Part of me also so resonates with this. Hey, what if you just? I think a lot of it has to do with like where you're gonna be, right? Yeah. And for me, I think I think you're, uh, yourself as well. It's like yes, we've enjoyed this experience being overseas but family is home right there's that idea of yes you can live anywhere right you can be nomadic Mm -hmm. but where do you inevitably want to spend more time right yeah Uh, yeah, so those are things that have crossed my mind a lot it's the long term right and it's one thing to think when we're young that long term is one year thinking ahead Mm -hmm. whereas in reality long term thinking means 10 20 30 years you know and that's a very different new muscle to stretch, right? Because yeah. for most of our lives, it's what are we doing this quarter, this semester, yeah. next year <laughs> seems so far away. Yeah. You know? Oh, I know. There's a lot to think about. Mm-hmm. I this is a little bit off tangent, but I saw something on Instagram where was this other person asking this man, like, mm-hmm. "Oh, how often do you see your parents?" And he was like, "Once a year." And he's like, how old are your parents? He was like, 65. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, okay, in reality, you're probably going to see your parents only like 12 more times, mm-hmm. 12 to 15 more times before, you know, anything happens. Mm-hmm. 
and I think that was like, oh my god, like that's the same case for me. Yeah. And I've been away from my parents for far too long, mm-hmm. so this whole like filial piety slash or versus millennial thinking, I'm still trying to figure that out. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I came up with, which I don't know, you can let me know your thoughts mm-hmm. on it. But what if I did like a quarterly rotation? Ooh, that'd be interesting. <laughs> right? yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's like you know you have three. Okay, maybe like depending on what quarter it is, mm-hmm. what time of the year it is i spend quality time with my family and then another quarter i'm like elsewhere Mm -hmm. so that was one of the things i came up with but yeah i think family right now is really top of mind for me because i've been so far away from them for yeah almost two years Mm -hmm. yeah 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 i hear you i hear you i think there was i don't remember the name of the book but the similar um i guess data set where i think the study was more focused on i guess American Western American culture where after you graduate high school you kind of move out and you never move back in yeah. essentially you spend 95% of your total time you'll ever spend with your parents by yeah. the time you graduate high school oh my god that's so sad yeah and in a way it really puts things in perspective yeah. right where you know they really graph out week by week yeah. you know, one dot and it's like oh this is time you spend with your parents and then boom that's kind of it mm-hmm. so just food for thought and I think that's why we're both you know flying back and visiting our parents, you know, this holiday season. So that'll be something to look forward to. I cannot wait. Yeah. 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 I cannot wait. It's going to be good. And then yeah. I think we were both talking about this too. It's different perspectives, right? Where you're going to go back to, you know, the same taqueria, the same noodle <laughs> shop in San Francisco, but it's going to be like, oh, it's, it's carnitas again. It's going to be like, oh my gosh, I haven't had good yeah. Mexican food in, in far too long right yes. like the same places but with a different appreciation for it that yeah. oh my gosh I can't wait for it to be cold to be able to wear I have so many cool jackets I feel like I always just buy like too many jackets and uh-huh. backpacks yeah. I have so many cool backpacks and jackets I'm like I can't wait to use that cool backpack mm. yeah, yeah. that's good that's good yeah, yeah. I've I've been packing already. Yeah, yeah I saw I, I saw in your saw story. Already, I was yeah. like, "Wow, you are really excited." I'm so excited. Wow. Yeah, I have clothes that I haven't touched in years, and yeah. I was like, "Oh, I still own this," and it's all like winter clothes. So, yeah, yeah. I was like, "Why did I bring this to Singapore?" I don't know, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I'm ready. I'm so ready. Yeah, we'll be back in time, right in time for uh, pumpkin spice lattes as well. I know. Yeah, I had uh, I met with one of my other American friends here, so we jokingly, but also very uh, practically, got pumpkin spice cold brews yesterday Ooh, at Starbucks. Oh, so, nice! Yeah, just in time for the the, the autumn season, but very nice. Yeah, very nice. Very nice. Very nice. Uh, yeah. So when you go back, what's like the first food you're gonna? What are okay? Give me a few, but what are like the first foods that you're foods? just gonna plant, plant, like just go ham on? Well. I'm gonna be super basic. Mm-hmm. In and out, nice. Phil's coffee, blue mm-hmm. bottle. Okay. Yeah. Um, shoot, there's like What's that. Another food. What's another food? There's that. That's I forgot what it's called, mm-hmm. but it it has like it's like American and Tex-Mex. Korean oh, fusion. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. Fr- I forgot what store it is uh-huh. or what restaurant it is, but they have like crisp cut fries with like bulgogi Ooh, on top, and they put bomb. like cheese, sour cream, green onion, and yeah, like yeah, kimchi. Yeah. Uh, like that's what I want. Yeah, yeah that's gonna be good. Yeah, I can't wait to have like good, like really good sushi and Ooh. steak. Ooh, steak is gonna be steak. so good. His beef is very expensive here in Singapore. Yeah, it yeah. is. No, yeah. oh, the life. I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. And as we wrap up this call mm-hmm. uh, or this conversation. Let's talk a little bit like lightning round, right? So oh. this is a fun one, just a few random questions, right? Yeah. But who is someone that you've admired since you were a kid? I don't know if it's a, 
of a kid, but maybe uh-huh. like since college, like yeah. Trevor Noah. Oh, I just feel like okay. he's such a class act. Yeah. Like yeah. I feel like he can touch on like very sensitive political issues mm-hmm. without offending people, and he doesn't target like a specific demographic. Mm-hmm. So I, I like him. I like his his stance on like just comedy and mm-hmm. talking about political things. Yeah. yeah. He's a very well spoken gentleman. Very funny. I've watched so a lot of the stand up comedy too. I've seen him live twice. Ooh. Yeah. Is this in, in San Francisco? Yeah. Or? In San Francisco and in Chicago. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, it's definitely a fan. Yeah. Okay. And uh, who else? What's one other like random uh, role model slash person you admire? Hmm. Random? I would say I like racking my brain. Mm-hmm. Maybe I don't know. I keep thinking of comedians right now. Okay, throw us another one. Think... another one. <laughs> You're going to laugh at this right. one. But it's not like, she's not like a role model, okay. but I'm just fascinated with how she like started her, yeah. her career. Like, <laughs> you're going to be like, oh my God. Um, but Doja Cat. Oh, I'm not familiar with her work. Doja no. Cat. She's a singer. Oh, okay. So she, she was like this not very well-known mm-hmm. singer um, back in college, but okay. I would listen to her songs. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know, her songs are just like funny. And then she suddenly like blew up from success from oh. this like song called like Moo. Oh. And now she's like this very well-known like singer, globally like renowned. I just, I feel like I just appreciate how hard she hustled to get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't know. She just reminds me of like the good old college days. Yeah. So that's yeah. why I like her. You should listen to her some of her okay. music. Don't yeah. She's just, she's just funny. She's like funny. She's like a funny mm-hmm. rapper slash singer. Um, and I, I have a connection to her because she reminds me of like college. Aww. She got me through college. Affinity. Yeah. Wow. It's wow. very weird. Yeah. But, yeah. I thought you were going to say Ali Wong because she's another like, you know, she's my sister's spirit animal oh, really, yeah. in, in many ways. That's, that's my sister's words. Oh, yeah. Or, yeah. And I, I was, for a second, I, was, I thought you were thinking of like Aquafina, who also oh. kind of had like a funny, comedic yeah. uh, like song, like but twist. Doja Cat. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Actually, I mean, Ali Wong could be a role model. Yeah, yeah I like she's, how she's, she's like, cool too. yeah, she's, she's like boss, trying yeah. to trap, like trap a, a trap rich guy, yeah. and, then, and then she ended up being like even more well known and famous than yeah, her rich husband. Like, good thing I signed up. <laughs> I know. Yeah, she's great. I know. She's great. Oh my god. Yeah. And one last one. It's okay. What's a digital product or a physical product that you can't live without? Something oh. that you just use a lot, or something that you, whether it's on your phone or something in your living room that you just oh my love god. To use. Oof, that's hard. Um, I think digital product would yeah. be like the app. Maybe like it's called Personal Capital. <laughs> oh, okay. Tell us more. Tell us more. You can track your net worth. Ooh, <laughs> so, I think okay. for me, I just like to like watch it or like I just like to look at it because mm. it reminds me of like how hard I've worked mm. in the past. And I think everyone should be knowledgeable about like their net worth. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And I think that is also like a tracker for me in the future of like, okay, if I get to a certain point, then I can go off and do my own thing sure. or whatever right so that's one and i think the personal item um my asic running shoes Ooh. yeah and i say this because as i get older i realize how important it is to have good shoes mm-hmm. yeah like mm-hmm. your arch support and like working out so my yeah. asic running shoes are like the best things i've ever owned and yeah better than your birkenstocks oh that's hard oh. well birkenstocks get wet and, uh. and they they turn bad because it's leather, so ASICs. ASICs, yeah. got, it. Yeah. got it. And as we wrap up, any last things you want to share with our audience? Any last messages, words of affirmation, or anything else you want to share? Whew. Um, I guess in the stages of our lives, we, you know, like in middle school, you might think, oh my God, the world is ending because I got a C. Mm-hmm. In 
college, your boyfriend breaks up with you and you think, oh, your world is ending. Or maybe in your 20s, you get fired from a job. You're like, my world is ending. Well, my advice is the world, life continues to go on, Mm -hmm. right? Like everything, to be honest, this is so sad, but things get harder. There's a level of difficulty that will always get harder, but as long as you can just persevere, I think with time, like you'll get through it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I've learned. And don't make life, life should be easy. It should Mm -hmm. be easy to live. So don't be so hard on yourselves. That's my advice. Well said. That's a perfect note to wrap things up, but it's been an absolute pleasure sharing this time with you, just catching up, drinking some yummy grapefruit whiskey drinks, and just talking about life and the lessons along the way. Thanks for having me, Derek. Yeah, thank you. Thanks again for tuning in to the Paper Lantern Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Wong, and I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode. We are just getting started with producing episodes and could use your input to help us get better. If you have any feedback for us or suggestions on who you'd like to see as a guest, please don't hesitate to reach out. If you have a friend or colleague that you think might enjoy this episode, please share our podcast with them and tell them to visit our website, thepaperlantern.blog. Thanks for taking the time to listen, and I hope you have a wonderful week. Cheers.